Let me ask you a question today as you open your Bible to Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. Luke 19 verse 10. Can you think of someone today that doesn't know Jesus? How about over in this section right here? Is someone coming to your mind? Even just one person. Think of one person in particular that you know doesn't know Jesus. Let me see your hand if you can think of someone. Maybe they work with you. Perhaps they're in your family. Maybe in your neighborhood. How about this section right here? If you can think of someone that you know doesn't know Jesus in your life, in your world right now. I want to see your hand. Let me survey this section over here. If you know of someone, they're coming to your mind right now, they do not know Jesus. Let me see your hand. Anybody over here, you know of someone, they're coming to your mind right now as I ask you, you're positive they don't know Jesus. How about in the balcony? We've got a few people in the balcony. Do you know of someone, somebody coming to your mind, they don't know Jesus? Yes, thank you. I know of many, and I'm sure you do too. I want you to focus on the one, perhaps, that the Holy Spirit has brought to your mind for our time together this morning. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, thank you for your word, and I pray that it would be enriched in our hearts, in our minds, and that what you have sent it to do, it would do. Challenge and change us by your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This one that you're thinking of today, if they do not know Jesus, this is what it means. They're lost. It's a simple word today. But I want you to hear it. Because I believe it's a word that we must hear today. They don't know Jesus. They haven't decided to follow Jesus. And so, they're lost. They don't even realize they're lost. They're just wandering around in their world. Lost. Has anyone ever been to Six Flags? Let me see your hand if you've been to Six Flags. Anybody like Six Flags? I like Six Flags. That's a fun day out with the family. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of Six Flags. Perhaps it's the enormous roller coasters that they have there. Yes, I did squeeze that in, Marissa, just for you. Enormous, I realize, is not a word, but neither was ginormous, and now it's in the dictionary. I'm campaigning today to start a new word, enormous. How many are with me? Three people. Okay, I'll start over. Maybe it's the fatty food that you, that you see and smell and you know you shouldn't eat, but you eat anyway. Maybe that's what you think of when you think of Six Flags. Maybe it's the spinning rides that you ride that make you throw up the fatty food that you knew you shouldn't have eaten, but you ate anyway. Or maybe it's the enormous roller coasters. Still not buying it. Okay. My first visit to Six Flags was Six Flags over Georgia. 
I was probably about four. My dad was involved in the Gideons. What a great organization, by the way. They make sure that our hotels, motels, hospitals, uh, servicemen, schools are supplied with the Word of God. Wow. My dad loved this organization. And we were involved very heavily. We would go to the national conventions that particular year. It was held in Atlanta. So we pack up the car and we drive to Atlanta. We had a free day. And this particular free day, we went to Six Flags. And I could not believe what I saw. Now remember, I'm used to Vigo County Fair in Terre Haute. Thank you. And now here's Six Flags over Georgia. I remember getting off the log ride and I said to the worker, can I ride this again? He said, young man, you can ride it as many times as you want today. In fact, you can ride all of these rides and you don't have to go get another ticket. I thought I had to go back to the front uh, entrance and get another ticket to ride every ride because that's what you did at the state fair or the county fair. So I was thrilled riding every ride I could possibly ride, eating all that fatty food and just having a ball. We took a break later in the day. We sat down to rest. And then it's time to keep moving. Because if you're going to pay to go to Six Flags, you, you're not there to sit. You're there to ride or watch a show or eat some fatty food, right? So it's time to move forward. So we move forward to the next ride or whatever it was. And I remember my mom says, who's got Bethy? We start looking around. Beth is my little sister. And her oldest daughter, Maddie, is here for a week for her sweet 16th birthday right here. Maddie Faye Birchall right there. What, a, what an awesome young lady she has become. Beautiful in, in every way. And we love you, Maddie, and we're so glad that you're here with us. This is her mom that I'm talking about, my little sis. We're 14 months apart. Mom says, who's got Bethy? And we all start looking around. Now remember, I'm four. I hardly remember anything about this trip except that log ride experience. I, I, that, that changed my life, you know. I remember driving into the city and seeing all the lights. I do remember that. Because remember, I'm from Terre Haute. And Atlanta's a lot bigger than Terre Haute. I remember that. I don't remember all the details of this, but here's another thing I remember. I remember the panic in my mom's voice. I remember the urgency in my dad's body language. Everything shifted. We didn't care about food anymore. We didn't care about the next ride. We didn't care about going to another show. Mom's little baby was lost. In Six Flags. And everybody just, just froze. We began to retrace our steps and, and think where were we last. And we started walking backwards almost to find Beth. And what seemed like an eternity, we finally found her. Holding tight to one of the workers' hands, crying. But we found Bethy. We found my little sister. She was no longer lost. I wonder today, when was the last time you felt a sense of urgency for the lost? 
When was the last time you had this sense of spiritual pan- panic thinking, my neighbor is lost, my co-workers are lost, my family is lost, and unless they're found, they're going to die and go to an eternity without Jesus. Unless they're found, they will die and go to hell. When was the last time? Let me ask maybe a more simpler question for you. When was the last time you really even thought about the lost? You see, in most churches, lost is a lost word. I mean, let's face it. There are other subjects that are more popular to preach. Other subjects will draw bigger crowds. Other subjects are more culturally relevant. That's the buzzword of the day, I I guess. But when we lose the word lost, it keeps people lost. And I believe that we must talk about the lost. People need to know the consequences of sin. Amen? People need to know how serious it is to be lost, wandering aimlessly in this world. Living for only the now. Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It's hard to say I have a favorite scripture in all the Word of God. Because it's so good, isn't it? How many love the Word of God? But this is in my top ten list of favorite scriptures. Luke 19.10. He came to seek and save. Wow. Because it reminds me that I once was lost. That seek word. I can see in my mind's eye the Lord basically dropping everything for me. He's lost and must be found. There's an urgency with this word seek. It's not casual. It's urgent. It's fervent. Passionate. So today I just want to remind you that there are people in your world and they're lost. I want to remind you of what that means. What does it mean to be lost? It means that they are without hope. To be lost is to be without hope. Jot down just a few reminders today. Because unless, you see, listen to me for a moment. God's plan to save the lost, it's me. It's you. We're it, folks. He's not calling 10,000 angels. To go and evangelize the world in the last days. That's not the plan. The plan is that we follow Christ after we are found and we carry this message to the lost. And so today I just want to drop a few reminders in you what it means to be lost. So that maybe, just maybe, we'll do something about it. To be lost is to be without hope. Ephesians 2.12 
At that time, you were without Christ. And if you're without Christ, you're lost. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenant of promise. Listen to this. Having no hope. Having no hope. The hope that I speak of today, our hope as Christ followers, as believers in Jesus Our hope has to do with the assurance of salvation. How many are saved in this room today? Let me see your hand. If you know that you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are saved, you are born again, and you are a follower of Christ. How do you know this? We accept by faith. And we know because we stand on the word of God. And we have this hope that no matter what, We are saved. And if we are saved, we have God with us and we are going to a better place. What a great way to live life. Full of hope. Even on our darkest day, we can be raised knowing that we have hope that this is just temporary. Colossians 1.5 Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, (laughs) of which you heard before in the word, of the truth of the gospel. Colossians 1.27 To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you. Here it is. The hope of glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Hebrews 6.19 says this hope we have it's an anchor of the soul. No matter what comes your way no matter what storm blows through we have an anchor That keeps us steady. That is our hope. The hope. Imagine with me an anchor at the bottom of your boat. Making sure that you are. You're steady. No matter what happens in life. This is our hope. And it goes on to say in in Hebrews 6.19. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul. It is sure and it is steadfast. But think about the lost in your world again. Think about this one. I just really today want you to concentrate on the one. One that has a name. One that has a face. One that may be married, may be single. One that may have children or grandchildren. Think of this one today that is lost. They have no hope. Lost people have no hope of heaven. Now, Should somebody in their life die, one of their loved ones die, they're quick to borrow the Christian's hope, aren't they? You see, when people die, even the lost think they're going to go to heaven. They think everybody's going to go to heaven. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and what? The life. No man comes to the Father who lives in heaven unless he comes by me, unless he comes through me. Not everybody goes to heaven when they die. And let me just tell you something. This is just a little FYI for you. I will never put somebody in heaven at their funeral unless I know that they have accepted Christ and asked Him to forgive them of their sins. I'll talk about how good He was while He was on earth. I'll talk about how sweet she was to her family, but I will never put somebody in heaven unless I know that they've been born again and their sins have been forgiven. Everybody thinks they're going to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But the only way we can get to heaven 
is by asking Jesus Christ to come in. Forgive us of our sins. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Is anybody thankful for the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ forgiving you of every wrong thing that you've ever done or said? The lost have no hope of heaven. Oh, they'll talk about seeing them again someday. But we have an anchor. We have an assurance. We have this steadfastness. We know because the Bible says to be lost is to be hopeless. To be lost, secondly, is to be without God in this world. Let me finish this scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 12. At that time you were without Christ, you were lost. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God. I don't know about you, but I sure am glad that I have God in this world. I'm just saying, I can't imagine going through some of what I have to go through and not being able to bring it to God. That's what we just did a few moments ago. I invited those who follow Christ, come to Him now and bring your cares to Him. Lay them on the altar. Cast them at the foot of the cross. And we do this. We bring our cares to Him. We're encouraged. Cast all your cares on me, Jesus said, because I care for you. The psalmist said, I, I lift up my eyes to the hills, Psalm 121. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He'll not allow your foot to be crushed or stumbled. Wow. And in this world, remember... You're going to have problems. You're going to have, how is it said, tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. What a thought to think when we are found by Jesus and we bring to him all of our guilt all of our wrong, all of our sin, and He forgives it. And He gives us hope of heaven. Then He goes on and He says, and by the way, while you're walking on earth toward your eternity, I'm going to walk it with you. I'm not leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. Isn't that what the Bible says? I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. We have hope of, of heaven and hope and, and assurance of our salvation, but we also have a God that will walk through us through the tribulation of this world. And we'll all have it. We'll all have tribulation. Paul reminded the Ephesian believers of their past. They'd once been without hope. They'd once been without God in the world. Why? Because they had once been lost. But they now were found. Where do we go when we have the deepest of emotional distress? We go to God. 
Where do we go when we're threatened by financial ruin because of an economy that's up and down and, and sideways? We, we go to God. Where do we go when we face illness? Surgery is, is called for. Where do we go? We go to God. We go to God. We pray, don't we? We talk to God. We commune with God. We cry out to God. We, we, we read God's word and he guides us. And he helps us. Where do you go when your family is, is in turmoil? Your marriage is on the rocks. Where do you go? We go to God. God's children run to him in our time of trouble. And he is there. He's always there. Where do the lost go? They're without hope. Ephesians 2.12, without hope and without God in the world. Hopefully your first instinct, or at least your second or third instinct, because let's be honest, sometimes it's not your first instinct. Maybe your first instinct is to call your wife. I'll be honest, I've called Karen first before I've called God on, on occasions. Sure. She's... You know, we're connected here. I'm just going to call her, right? Hopefully, no matter when you do call, God is there. The lost have no one. They don't have God in the world. So where do they go? They go to one another. It's like the blind leading the blind, really. The lost... Go to the lost. And they remain lost. And they encourage one another in their lostness. So then they start making up new rules in order to justify the way they live without God in the world and without hope in the world. Uh, nobody wants to hear this today, I understand. How sad to be lost and not have God with you and not be able to go to God. In your time of need. What does it mean to be lost? Thirdly and finally. Let me, let me close this so I can pray with you. To be lost. Is to be without eternal life. 1 John 5.12 He who has the son has life. Talking about everlasting life. And he who does not have the son. Does not have life. This is what the Bible says, and this is what we live by, folks. Come on, hold up your Bible real quick. This is what we live by right here. Right? I don't care if it's on your phone or if it's a, a leather-bound version. It doesn't matter if it's King James or New King James or NIV or the message. This is what we live by. The Bible says that if we have the Son of God, we have life. And we get excited about that. Life, we live. We live now abundantly on earth, but we live forever. And we should get excited about this. But before you get too excited, let, rem let me remind you, bring this scripture up one more time. 1 John 5, 12. Bring it up one more time. He who does not have the Son, they don't have life. 
Life on earth is short at its best. The Bible says the average lifespan, 70 to 80 years. If you've lived beyond this, thank God. And I know vibrant 80 and 90 year olds. Because remember, God is God. I'm not God. You're not God. And so we live as long as God allows us to live and as long as God wants us to live on earth. And then we start our eternal living in heaven. There's no fountain of youth while we're on earth. Medical science has worked hard to try to extend life with very, very little success. Oil of Olay, Botox, and plastic surgery are only temporary fixes for those who are trying to hold on to life and youth while they're on earth. Joan Rivers is 79 years old and she looks like she's about 29 or 39, but one day Joan Rivers is going to die. And all the surgeries that she's had, which I understand are multiple surgeries in order to maintain this appearance of youth, it will be for nothing. It will be for naught. But when we die, Come on, somebody, get excited with me today. When we die, death is just the chauffeur that pulls up to the curb to go ahead and take us to our eternal living place. Death is just the taxi ride, folks. That's all it is. We don't have to fear dying. We don't have to fear disease. We don't have to fear death. Because we're going to a land where cancer is forbidden. We're going to a land where all backs and necks will be whole. There's no plantar fasciitis in heaven. That's what I'm struggling with right now. No pain. I, I, read, one, I read one place, there's no pain in heaven. <laughs> there's no tears in heaven. Think about this. There's no temptation in heaven. Is anybody just tired, sick and tired, tired and sick of being tempted? Don't you just get wore out and beat down? But yet you wake up the next day and we didn't get raptured away. So we're tempted again. No temptation in heaven. Wow, I'm really looking forward to that. Heaven. Eternal life. John Newton wrote a song that we, we sing from time to time. Great, great song of the church. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. You see, it's hard for us to comprehend eternity, isn't it? I think it was for this writer as well. Because in one of the verses he said, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, 
We've no less days to sing God's praise than on that first day when we begun. Eternity. Everlasting life. But the lost. The lost are without eternal living. God, give us an urgency today. A spiritual panic even. A realization that unless somebody reaches them, the lost will be lost. It's simple. I know it's simple. But we need to be reminded there's lost people around us. We've got to talk about this. And be willing to be used. We pray when it comes to the lost and reaching the lost, your prayer should be twofold. We should be praying as Jesus taught us to pray, Lord of the harvest, send forth workers into the harvest field. You ought to be praying that every day, by the way. That ought to be one of the things that you're praying. Pray on the spiritual armor. Pray, pray the fruit of the Spirit to be active and operating in you. Pray a few things every day, consistently, routinely. But here's another something you should be praying for the lost that are in your world. Lord of the harvest, send workers into the harvest field. Send spirit-filled believers to move in next door to them and to work in the cubicle next to them. Use a spirit-filled clerk in the gas station or in the supermarket, God. That's the first part of your prayer when it comes to the lost and evangelism. The second should be like Isaiah prayed. Here am I. Send me. Use me, God. With all of my faults and all of my failures, I'm available. I'm willing. Use me. I want you to bow your heads all over this room. I'm forever grateful to you. Lord, I'm forever grateful for the cross. I'm forever grateful to you that you came to seek and save the lost. Lord, I'm forever grateful to you. Yes, I'm forever heads bowed for just a moment. Perhaps you're here today and you are lost. He who has the Son has life and he is found. He who does not have the Son is lost and does not have life. 
If you're tired of wandering in the dark, wandering in the world aimlessly, and you're ready today to surrender to God's call, surrender your heart and life to Jesus, be found. I want to pray with you. If you're here, all heads are bowed, and you would like to accept Christ into your heart and into your life, asking Him to be your Savior, asking Him to forgive you of every wrong thing you've ever said or done, I want you to slip up your hand right now and let me pray with you. Come on, all over this room. Is there even just one? Thank you. Give your heart to Christ today. Don't delay another day. Don't wait. There's nothing else that needs to be done. You don't need to commit one more sin. You don't need to clean yourself up. You just come as you are. He's seeking after you. He's been looking for you. Is there anyone else you would just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, yes, I'm tired of running. I want to give God my life. I want to accept Jesus. Lift your hand and put it right back down. Now, if you have lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to take a very courageous step just to seal and solidify what you already are feeling in your heart and mind. I want you to get up from where you are and I want you to come and meet me at this altar right now. Come on. Don't delay. Don't think it through. Come and let, let us pray with you today. Give Him your heart and your life, your dreams, your mistakes. Give it all to Him. Thank you, Jesus. I ask you to think of one person a moment ago before we started preaching today, just one, that you knew was lost. I want you to see them right now. Think of them right now. And I'm going to ask each Christ follower that has someone on their mind and on their heart that is lost, that you want to pray for them. I want you to stand right now. Come on, we're going to pray for that just one today just that one that's on your heart the one that you're, you're thinking of the one that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your, to your attention Father I pray Lord for an urgency to come upon this congregation of believers a passion Lord an awareness yes more than that, bigger than that, Lord. Not just aware. Give us a spiritual panic, even. That if someone doesn't reach them, they die, they go to hell. There's no hope. They're living without God in the world. Now, I want you to lift up their name right now and begin to pray for them. 
Come on, pray for that one right now. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. Maybe it's your, your parent. Perhaps it's a neighbor. Somebody you're working with. The Holy Spirit has brought someone to your mind right now. Begin to lift them up right now. Ask God to soften their heart. Ask God to till the ground. Come on, ask the Holy Spirit to go ahead of you. Hallelujah. Oh, God, reach the lost. Lord of the harvest, we pray that you would send forth workers and laborers into the harvest field. These ones that we work with and they live in our neighborhoods, they're part of our blood family, God. Let them have eyes to see. Let them have ears that would hear, Lord, a heart that has been tenderized. And we also pray with our hands uplifted, here am I. Send me. Use me. I am willing. Lord, I pray that you would use every man and woman and every student that is in this room. We're praying for lost people that are connected to us and that we see consistently or, or they're close to our heart at least. But we're also saying, God, I'm available and I'm willing to be your mouthpiece. I'm willing to be your hands and your feet. Lord, I pray an anointing come upon us, Lord, that you would in fact direct our steps to the lost. Give us an urgency, Lord. And may the lost be found. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. I'm forever grateful to you. Say, I'm forever grateful for the cross. For the cross, Lord, I'm forever grateful to you. Seek and say to save I'm forever grateful to you. I'm forever grateful for the cross. so much, Lord God. Just keep, just cut our heart, Lord God, so that this becomes what we do and not just what we say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, everyone, you're dismissed. I know you're hungry, so, you know, we got some kids that want to go to New York and seek and save the lost, and I uh, hope to see you guys on Wednesday. A lot of people on Wednesday. Good morning, guys.